Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching Up with Cub is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I'm catching up with Cub member Nick Moderum, the co-founder of Australia's largest investment and capital raising platform. It is called onmarket.com.au and it has dramatically improved the way businesses can find capital and the way capital can find great investments. It was even launched by Malcolm Turnbull himself in 2015, who did the keynote speech at their launch. Since then, they've raised over $110 million in capital uh, and they have an investor database of over 50,000 investors. They not only help the businesses, you know, put everything together that they need through the raise, they then go help them find the capital and they guide them through the whole journey. These guys know what they're doing and you're going to hear why in the episode. I had a crazy conversation with Nick where I learned a lot because I didn't know too much about capital raising. Um, so I hope you enjoy the show. And we're live. Welcome to the show, Nick, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well. Thanks for having me today. No, thank you for coming. Today, we are going to be leveraging your incredible knowledge. You would be one of the one of Australia's leaders in uh, thought leaders in capital raising and someone with an immense amount of experience in the industry. Look, there's a lot of people out there doing it, but um, look, we've been around the hoop for a while. So uh, I think with being in the space for a long time does give a lot of experience and uh, a, lot, a lot of learnings from, from what we've done and what we've seen. So Mad. It, all, it all helps. Well, we're going to be making sure that uh, all our members and listeners learn a whole bunch today about capital raising and the different ways and options and the, the risks and the pros and the cons. We're going to go through it all. But I do want to introduce On Market, your company. Yep. Um, why don't you give us a bit of it? Because it is the largest capital raising platform in the country for uh, what type of investors? So early stage growth businesses. So mm -hmm. you know, taking, taking it back a bit. So On Market started around 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of old colleagues and friends from you know, school, university came together, um, basically with an aim of creating a bit more fairness, efficiency, and transparency in the capital raising process. Um, you know, through through the last seven eight years, we've we've had a few uh, pivots and, and and changed directions a couple of times, but where we've ended up is is effectively the the the, the B2C investment platform called On Market, where we work with early stage and growth businesses and helping them raise funds. And, um, to grow. And so you mentioned, so really you, your goal was to improve the capital raising experience, the system towards yeah, capital raising. That's right. You know, giving, giving companies a new avenue and access to investors mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's, it's not easy for an early stage company to raise funds. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of companies out there looking to raise funds. There's a lot of companies looking to grow. There's a lot of companies looking to take themselves to the next level. Um, but there's only so many Know, opportunities to raise that capital um, and you know the other thing we've been trying to do is also to uh, give self-directed investors access to a range of investment opportunities they wouldn't normally get access to and be able to see um, obviously there's a, there's a listed market for you know, companies trading on the ASX but you know that, that's one side of a portfolio but there's also a lot of unlisted companies and early stage companies that people want to get access to as well and unless you've been historically a sophisticated professional investor you, you just haven't had access or been able to see these opportunities yeah really you think about it how do you find them yeah exactly. really it's kind of a luck of the draw it's a, who do i know who have I been introduced to there are some websites out there but that none have really nailed it yeah. you know it, it, it is as an investor i know my old man loves to 
um, dabble in a bit of uh, back-end entrepreneurs and whatnot. And and I know that something like this would would be great for you. Actually, I'll tell him about it. I'll connect, I'll connect <laughs> you, you sure? guys. It'd be a good one for you. I can chat But um, um, how, how, so how, is the actual, how does the platform actually work and how, how is it actually improved typically how uh, yeah. capital would be raised? Yeah, so look, we, we've got a number of different types of businesses we work with. Um, the platform initially started off just, uh, I suppose, acting as an as additional distribution channel for IPOs, so companies listing on the stock exchange. So in the last... Uh, what do you mean by additional distribution channel? Well, generally an IPO has got a lead manager or lead broker who's leading the transaction and they're bringing in their investors as well. Um, and and you know, they're bringing together some institutions and high net worths, investors. Um, but obviously companies want to access a broad pool of capital and also investors want access to these transactions as well. So what we've managed to do in the last four or five years is we've been involved in probably over 140 IPOs, um, all listing on stock shows. Everywhere from your you know, small sort of micro-cap $5 million raising up to companies raising a couple of hundred million dollars. Yeah, so when, so when companies were doing IPOs, yeah. they would come to you guys and be like, hey, are you interested in this one? Yeah, so we'd, we'd help them distribute the, the IPO. Yeah, so you, yeah, that's what you meant by additional. Yeah. Yes. yes, okay, awesome. That's right, that's right. So, and that's worked really well. Look, we've, you know, 140 IPOs. Um, some have been absolutely amazing performers. Um, others have, have been less so. Um, but, you know, over the years we've got a lot better at picking which ones we think are going to go well, mm. which ones we think are going to resonate with our database. Um, and, you know, we, we've also built a bit of a name for ourselves amongst a lot of the brokers and lead managers out there in terms of, you know, being, being a, a trustworthy and, and reliable source of, of capital and also investors. For, for Having the right relationships in that type of space is key. Eh? Yeah, definitely. Like in everything, really. Yeah. As with any business, you know, relationships are key. You've got, you got to have those relationships. And so I definitely do want to circle back later on in the, in the convo to – some of the lessons you've learned around which investments seem to be the best ones, you know, signs yeah. of a good investment. But, but I do want to circle. Uh, I do want to come back to the to the initial question of, um. So you, you start as an additional distribution channel for the IPOs, but and then what happened? Yeah. So look, then um, we started doing a number of uh, of wholesale raises. So that's sort of unlisted raisings, whereby effectively it's, it might be a pre-IPO or a, a raising for a company that's not listed yet um, from sophisticated and professional investors. And uh, would you call the, that growth capital? Yeah, it's generally growth capital or pre-IPO capital. Um, you know, that's that's an interesting space um, and has where where it's probably a higher risk, um, but also potentially higher return. Is is allowing small investors access to interesting early stage businesses mm -hmm. that they can put in five hundred bucks mm -hmm. and invest in that business and in a business they believe in, like and want to see grow. So is that legal so now? It is. Yes. Because I remember when I started Cub. Yeah. That was when the laws were starting to change and a lot of yeah. uh, kind of startups were starting around um, yeah. that, that yeah. Uh, what's it called, wholesale? Uh, equity crowdfunding. Equ equity crowdfunding. Or, or crowdsource funding. And so yeah. now that's, that, that happens and that's something that you guys do as well. That's right. That's right. So look, we've, we've done around 12 equity crowdfunding deals in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. We've, uh, you know, raising uh, north of you know, $10, $15 million for these early stage businesses. All in all, in the Australian market, I think there's been about uh, 80 successful raisings that have been, 80 to 90 raisings. In equity equity crowdfunding. Yeah. Oh, so really it's definitely cool. become a, a viable avenue for early stage companies to raise capital. That's really cool. Um, and it's growing year on year. So and what's the benefit of, a, of an early stage business using uh, crowdfunding as opposed to private investors? Yeah, looks a good question. Um, you know, equity crowdfunding, the theory behind it was allowing early stage companies to raise capital, but also by dispersing the risk across a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So mums and dads putting in $500, $1,000, $5,000 an early stage growth business. So as lots of people coming together to fund a business and fund its growth. So it does take a bit of pressure off, you know? 
Yeah. Because oh, if they lose the money, <laughs> if I do screw it up, the company doesn't work out. Yeah. I haven't lost someone two hundred grand. I've lost someone yeah. two hundred bucks. Exactly. <laughs> or or I've made them 10, 20 times their money. Yeah. Or you could flip that the opposite way and worry, oh shit, I've lost two hundred <laughs> I've lost a thousand people their money as yeah. opposed to what? <laughs> uh, look at look at there's no there's no doubt in that early stage investing is is generally riskier. So look, the view is take a portfolio approach. Rather than putting five grand in one business, put five hundred bucks in ten businesses. Yeah, no, sorry, I was talking yeah. more from the oh, from the company as the, side. Yeah, as, 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 a as founder. like me, the founder. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> but that's my point. You know, if you're an investor, it's like, oh well, I've, I've put money in ten companies. Yeah, two have gone belly up. Yeah. Three are doing okay. Five have done really well. Done well. I've done okay. Laughing. Um, and so look, so, and so the benefit of a company doing equity crowdfunding to some extent is also bringing on shareholders who are then advocates. Yeah, that's very true. You so would, it's like you having mm-hmm. all of your members as shareholders. And so not only do they enjoy your product, but they're invested in the upside. Yeah, and so they're so out true. there talking to everyone about this is this business I've invested in, I'm a member, I love it. How, how big can the crowd be? Yeah, looks a good question. So we, we've done the largest crowdfunding deal in the world by number of investors. You have? Yeah. We did that about a year and a half ago. So it was for a business called um, – it was in energy retailing called DC Power. And so they were basically targeting – their energy retailer targeting the 2 million households with solar panels on their roof. That felt like they're getting a raw deal with existing energy retailers. So they wanted to get as many shareholders on board that they could then turn into clients or customers to sell them, you know, solar-friendly It's a really genius strategy, no? Yeah. So we worked with them in terms of tapping into databases of like-minded groups. Um, Ended up getting 15,000 investors. Wow. Through that transaction and raised about two and a half million bucks. Yeah, I never thought about that. They so, become, they almost become, they give you money and they also kind of become uh, employees of the company because, yeah. yeah, because they, they, um, oh, they could become clients in that yeah. sense. But for any company, let's say I raised capital, I got a thousand, I have mm. a crowd of a thousand raising the capital. Yeah. You have a thousand people promoting the company the same way as a, a team member would. Yeah, that's right. But they gave you, they gave you money. <laughs> exactly. So that, that was a good example. Another good example, we had a, um, a, a, build, a construction technology business. So not B2C like the energy retail business was, but B2B. So these guys had developed a, a way of, of building multi-storey buildings a much faster and more efficient way using a steel backbone and structure. So quite a complex concept. But people got the construction industry needs to evolve and change. And so for them, we, you know, we raised about $800,000, got about four or 500 investors on board for them. Um, and the reason they did it is because they wanted to break into the sort of the young, smart young engineers and designers and um, architects to change the way they, feel, they think. And off the back of that crowdfunding raise, they, they got sort of four or five uh, contracts <laughs> to build new buildings around Australia. Yeah. So it's almost know, like marketing and capital raising. Yeah, it's hundred, and that's, that's what it is. So you, you combine your marketing spend that you'd all be doing, not only about awareness for your business, but also for. for and so you started with the IPOs, which you still do. You then also started doing growth capital. Yeah. Now you're doing crowd equity, uh, equity crowdfunding. Yeah. And but still, so how? Why is it better to go through on market than it is to to not go through on market? How, yeah, how has it changed the game? Yeah, look, I think that, look, there's different avenues to capital. An early start, a startup business with a great idea. You, know, you generally go to your friends, families and fools. Mum and dad Mum and dad, your mums and dads, yeah. your own mum and dad. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you get, they give you a bit of, bit of capital to get going and you might sort of tap on a few friends to, to get your concept, get your, your minimum viable product up and going. Um, and, and once you've got a product that's in market or, you know, you, you, you're sort of doing soft sounding, then you can look at the next level of funding. Now, the, the options there are... Uh, might go to venture capital investors 
Now, there's, uh, this, the pool of venture capital in Australia is growing, but it's still not huge. You know, a venture capital investor, you know, they might have $100, $200 million to invest, or, or, you know, but they might see 200 companies a year invest in three. Mm. So there's still you know, 197 companies out there that are still looking for capital. Um, you know, there's family offices and high net worth investors, but generally, you know, they're looking for businesses that are generating a couple of million bucks a year revenue. So the real dry patch in the capital raising landscape in Australia is companies that are just starting off with nominal revenue or, you know, building that revenue line up to a couple of million dollars. So they are and still very small companies. They're still small companies. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they haven't really proven themselves to, to raise the big funds from. And you're saying that groups. in Australia, they're the ones uh, currently and typically who ha- there, there has been a bit of a hole in the investment market. They haven't had easy access to funds and funds hasn't, haven't had easy access to them. Yeah, look, that's right. That's right. So, that, you know, there hasn't been necessarily an avenue for them to raise funds and there hasn't been a, a, a facility or platform for the, the retail investor base to get access to these sorts of opportunities. Everyone wants to be a venture capitalist. Mm. You know, no matter how much money you've got to invest, everyone thinks, actually, I'd love to invest in an early stage brewing company or I'd love to invest in a construction technology business at, and get in at the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing in the Australian market is that, you know, once companies do get to that one, two million dollars, three million in revenue, you know the, the the listed market is is probably a lot more accepting of those companies to do an IPO. Yep. Um, you know, in Australia, any given year, you might see a hundred IPOs in the market. Um, some of probably early stage. Is that all? Yeah. The entire year, all yeah. of Australia, there'd be somewhere around hundred IPOs. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, yeah. it's probably only about twelve hundred listed companies on the ASX anyway. Is that so right? Maybe fifteen hundred. But there's a that. long tail of little ones. But you know, and and. The top 300 in the ASX have got market caps of 300 million and above mm-hmm. and then it falls away pretty quickly. Okay. So, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so then how did the company come to be? How did you what, – what, what's your background? I mean I know you were started as a chemical engineer and you became an investment banker but then how did you – tell us a bit of your story. Yeah, sure. So um, university I studied chemical engineering. God knows why. Chemistry was my worst subject at school. It's random though. What um, made you study that? I, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, I just loved – pulling stuff apart and putting it back together and generally never worked again, but still is fun <laughs> in the process. Um, so, you know, I went to the university, did engineering and ended up picking up commerce as a double degree. So we did engineering commerce. Um, so it was a five-year degree last century. Um, and from there, look, finished university and the, look, there weren't a lot of jobs in the chemical engineering world at the time. <laughs> you, know, you could get a job in a margarine factory or making tobacco or um, on an oil rig and that was really about it. Um, so I got into, into business consulting, um, at Arthur Anderson before it blew up. Um, and, uh, look, did that for about a year and a half and enjoyed it, but I felt like it was a bit of a jack of all trades, but master of none. So a spot came up in an investment banking firm and I ended up working with JP Morgan. Um, and then over at UBS, uh, working in the utility space. So working with a lot of companies, raising capital, um, you know, IPOing or doing an M&A or doing debt funding. Um, in the utility space. And that's really how you got introduced to that whole arena? Yeah, on the capital raising side. On yeah. the capital raising But it, look, it's a, it's a different different league to what we're doing now. You know, you were dealing with big, big you know, Multi-billion deals. dollar transactions. Yeah. And you're based um, in Hong Kong, no? Or is that Yeah, after? so like I spent five years up in Hong Kong as well, which is a lot of fun. And what were you doing there? Um, so we're, with uh, it's still the investment banking side, but looking after um, uh, utility, energy utility companies all around Asia. So I did a lot of work, you name it, in Indonesia, in, in Thailand, China, India, Philippines, Singapore, uh, Korea, wow. Japan, 
Uh, you know, so I spent five years pretty much strapped in an aeroplane bouncing around Asia. Wow. Working with um, all these really interesting businesses you know, and meeting some really cool, interesting people as well. And really, um, if you think about it, you wanted to be an engineer because you wanted you liked pulling things apart and putting them back together. It's pretty much kind of what you do as an investment banker and do now, but you do it with, fun, with business models and businesses. No, you look at the P and L and you look at the model and you yeah you, you can analyze it, you can pull it apart, put it back together. That's right, and work out you know the best capital structure, you know, pulling it apart, putting it together, working out how, how to fund a business and make sure that the you got the efficient funding structure to make them enable them to grow and keep going. This is going to be the um, dumbest question you've ever been asked. But investment banking, yes, uh, can you explain exactly what that is? Yeah, look, it, 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 I always scratch my head as well, to be honest. <laughs> it, there's so many different facets of what someone who's an investment banker. You know, I was more on the advisory side. Mm-hmm. So we worked with the companies on structuring a transaction and you know, taking it through to completion, being it buying a business for another business or doing an IPO or raising debt funding. Mm-hmm. You know, our part's investment banking is, is on the sort of sales. You're selling equities, institutional sales or That's when – so when, you're, when there's capital needed, yes. those guys going out to get the money from yeah. the funds and the, yeah. the, who are their, their family offices. Yeah. So, look, investment banking is a fairly broad church in terms of you know, the, the number of sort of areas, but it's generally around funding and financing. Is probably the, the broad sort of the banking side of yeah. funding and financing. Yeah, for, that's right. That's for, for right. Reasons. So, I mean, this is really well and truly your space. You, this is your career has been in yeah. in, in yeah. Uh, the space. Perhaps it started in the really large scale side of things, and now you've come. You've brought those lessons, and you've brought it. Uh, uh, yeah. down to share with, with the small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah, that's right. I suppose um, uh, up in Hong Kong for five years, you know, spent a lot of time away. I was away, sort of, you know, two out of three weeks away from the family, a couple of young kids. Yeah. Um, and look, Hong Kong was a lot of fun, but after five years it was time to come back and do something different. So um, you know, uh, I've been chatting to Ben and Tim, um, who are the co-founders of Old Market, about, about uh, the business and what we plan to do. And how did you know them? Um, look, we'd known each other for sort of 20, 25 years um, from school and university. Okay. So we weren't that close friends, but we all knew each other pretty well and you know, it all sort of came together um, you know, back in 2012 and we thought, look, let's, get, let's give this a run. Because no, actually the first uh, business that we had up with on market was actually a joint venture with the ASX, a platform called ASX Book Build, mm-hmm. which is the core of what we're trying to do around fairness and efficiency and transparency in the capital raising world. But look, that, that was a great product and a great platform, effectively using the exchange as a venue for raising new equity. Um, and uh, look, we came up against some challenges. It wasn't, the market wasn't accepting of it because I think people saw it as a, as a threat. Why is that? Um, because it was, a, it was a new paradigm in terms of the way that companies can raise capital using exchange. Historically, capital was raised by a lead manager selling the shares to their okay. investor base. And the lead manager is kind of the person that the... CEO would employ to or pay to to lead the, the the race. So that person has their network of investors, and they'd go find the investors. Yeah. They'd structure and probably negotiate the deal. Yeah, look, that's right. That's a, they'd sell it to their investor base. They yeah. wouldn't open it up yes. to the broad market. And so, what were you guys doing? We were trying to open up to everyone. Okay, and people didn't like that because they're like, "Oh, he's going to steal our shit." Not really. Yeah. Not really. So, look, but that's sort of how on market evolved. What we did find out of that process was that. There was a huge amount of appetite out there from self-directed investors to get access to interesting opportunities, and that's how we pivoted to one market. Um, and uh, and and that's, that's that's been really fun. It's been an exciting journey. Like we just love working with early stage businesses. Um, you know, finding a founder who's got a great idea and a great business and a great person, and believing in them and working with them through the growth trajectory from you know seed funding to growth funding and you know down the track. Well, one thing I think is really interesting is that like you started with that initial idea which 
I mean, in theory, made sense, and and of course you backed it. But and like a lot of people, they started it's like Cub. Cub was now it wasn't what it was like. Didn't become what I had planned. It was just I followed the road. You know, I kind of followed the river down. Business like yeah. water. It just keeps, as long as you follow the river, eventually you end up somewhere. Yeah, end like, up at an ocean. So you guys did that. You started. Oh shit! The the market's maybe not accepting this. It's getting a bit of pushback. Yeah. But let's pivot because obviously there's a lot of demand we can see. Let's make it more. Yeah, look, I think I think that's a great message for founders. You know, you might start up with an idea about where you're going to be in five years, but the chance of you being at that point in five years is pretty, pretty much zero. Yeah. <laughs> you'll pivot, you'll change, you'll end up in a different direction. But until you spend the time investigating and working on something and, and making that progress, then you really don't see – you might not see the opportunity that's right in front of you. Yeah, it's um, the lessons you learn in the process that yeah, allow right. you to keep – because probably your vision gets better. You might think – Oh, I can see 100 meters down the road. You might think uh, that, that's where I want to get, but throughout the process of getting to that 100 meters, your vision got better. You can now see 500 meters down the road. You think, oh, I was aiming in the wrong direction. I should yeah. go that way. Yeah, the danger in that situation though is you can't see the wood through the trees. Yeah. If you're so single-minded, doggedly focused on on that direction, you know that that can also be a, a pitfall and a trap. So look, you know, having having people you trust who can give you that guidance and advice, say, look, you know, where are you at? What are you doing? Let's actually think about, you know, you've been going that way. What about this way? Mm. It's a slight diversion and you've got to take that on board and, and move forward. And so how do you reckon, recommend businesses plan um, their targets or goals? Look, you, you've, got to, you've got to have your long-term goals and your short-term goals and, and everything in between. Um, you know, map it out. Think about it. Talk about it. You know, air it. Um, make sure it makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, look for any business – no matter what you are, you, you've got to have a plan ahead. You can't sit there and just blindly push forward. Yeah, That's dangerous. Just don't be married to the plan. If the plan doesn't pan out how it's supposed to be, it, you, you can still pivot. You can, so it's really a mindset. It's just saying, okay, just keep finding what works and keep following that path. Yeah. But look, the flip side as well, again, you don't want to – you can't keep flip-flopping. You've got to stick to your commit. guns. You've got to commit for a while. And, uh, and, but know when is the right time. Actually, it's not quite the right path. Let's pivot, pivot a little bit this way. Um, but also you've got to look at opportunities as they come up. You know, what we've seen during this whole COVID lockdown um, you know, is there's been a huge amount of capital being raised uh, in, in the listed market. You know, 30 to $40 billion have been raised by, by companies through placements. Um, Why is that? Because they're trying to, they're trying to uh, capitalise their balance sheets. Yeah, look, companies have been, have been recapitalising. Be it Sydney Airport, you know, all the way down to you know, QBE, NAB, um, you know, Afterpay. Uh, you know, a lot of companies you'd know and love, you know, uh, Kogan um, raised money for an acquisition. Um, so 30 to $40 billion has been raised through placements. During COVID? During COVID. In Australia? Since during, in Australia. Wow. Um, you know, it's been probably 30 to 40 individual transactions. So what, what that meant is that effectively, and each of these companies have been raising money at a 10% discount to the previous trading price. Why is that? Because they, they need to issue money at a discount in order to get the liquidity. For, okay. to, to, because to COVID was on. So the base, well, they're, they're, they're basically saying, hey, we'll sell you at a discount so it's a good time to come in. Exactly. And, and so that money is largely being taken up by institutional investors. Mm. But so the retail investors generally have not been getting access. They've all been able to play in that space. Yes. Because, Why is that? Because they just don't have access or the ability to invest in these companies. They haven't got the networks in that space. They're, they're not a client of, 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 the, of, the, of the big investment banks or the mm -hmm. brokers that are leading these deals. But, you know, the people that can get access to these transactions are generally the shareholders. So if you're a shareholder at Kogan, mm -hmm. they did a share purchase plan. So as a retail shareholder, you can purchase up to $30,000 of shares mm -hmm. in 
one of these companies. So we saw that going on out there and, and realised actually there's an opportunity there for us to build a product where we could buy one share in the top 300 companies on behalf of an investor, giving that investor access to every SPP that comes down the pipeline. Um, and so, so then they can purchase at a discount. Then they, they can also access the shares at a discount like they began to town. Wow. Um, That's really Is that news? Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's a business, a, play, a product we uh, just launched called SPP Harvester. Why is it called that? So SPP is a share purchase plan. Yeah. So that's basically um, effectively off the back of an institutional placement. They'll do a share purchase plan allowing the retail shareholders the ability to buy it for $30,000. Okay. Um, and Harvester because harvesting, you harvest them for You're harvesting the <laughs> yeah. discount. Okay. Um, and effectively what we do for investors is, is recycle that capital. So, you know, they can put in 20, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 into the facility um, and we'll invest in these SPPs on their behalf and then sell down and recycle that capital for the next one. What do you mean um, by recycle the capital? Well, effectively the shares are issued um, in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the SPP. Uh, once they're issued, then we'll gradually sell them down to the market, mm-hmm. get, the, claw the, get the funds back for the individual and then re- reinvest them in the next SPP. And when you, sell, when, you, when you gradually sell it, obviously you're, you're selling it at a, at a gain. That's right, That's yeah. Okay. And, and also you already bought it, as a, you bought it at a discount as well, so it makes it even easier. Yeah, exactly. So the, one of the SPPs we're involved in recently was for Qantas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, That's Qantas, you know, Qantas is raising money because, geez, they're not making a lot of income. Um, and so you know, they did a large placement to institutional investors then, and then they did, did a $500 million SPP. Um, the SPP shares were actually issued at about $3.10 and I think we sold them down at about $3.70. So wow. we made a 20% return for the investors. Just oh, wow. through the Qantas SPP. And so why would people want to invest in Qantas if it needs money because it's not making money? Because they think it's undervalued at the moment because of right. the situation. They think, look, it's been pretty hit pretty hard in the market. You know, Qantas was flying high pre-COVID. And um, if you think Virgin's probably not going to be there anymore, so they're probably going to come back even more dominant. Yeah, most of these businesses will still be there in, in, in two years, five years, ten years. Um, but you know, they had to recapitalise in this market and that's what Qantas had to do and, and a lot of other businesses as well. That's really cool. So you, that's SPP Harvester. SPP Harvester. Yeah, so look, we've recently launched that product. Again, it's, it's just us trying to evolve a new product to give the self-directed investor access to different opportunities. And let's, uh, I'd love to go back. You briefly mentioned the different options of uh, capital raising or was it, would you call it ways to raise capital or just sources to raise capital? You know, you, you've yeah, got absolutely. The yeah, avenues, mom and avenues. dad and then you've got the venture capitalist and then you've got the – Private investors, yeah, the high net worth investors net and worth. family offices, yeah. What else is there? Um, you know, then you've got obviously, I suppose they're they're your, your the largest pools of capital. And, you know, there's also institutional investors, but that's typically for the larger companies. In the that's IPOs. right. When they're listing, that's right. That's so when right. you when you let's say I'll, let's say cup mate, yep. I want to raise some money for the members and listeners. I've never actually raised money before, which is probably why I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about in this episode. But luckily, Nick's here because uh, give us all the answers, but. I say Cub wants to raise some capital. Sure. Um, probably well beyond the point of the mum and dad inv- uh, investor. Yep. Uh, so let's look at the venture capital and let's look at the, um, and let's look at the um, high net worth and, and family offices. Yep. What, are the, what would you say the pros and the cons are towards venture, the venture capital? Yeah, and so is it venture capitalists or is it – so is it one investor or is it like a f- – uh, Venture capital fund. It's more more a venture capital fund. Okay. So you know, there, there's a number of out there in, around Australia that, that have been doing really well. Mm. Um, you know, Square Peg mm. and, and a few others. So look, they're, they're generally funds that 
they'll put, invest a good amount of money in the business mm-hmm. and they'll want to take a, a board seat. They want to come in there and they want to try and generally help the business grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and their aspirations are that they might you know, invest in a business value at $10 million and they want to take it to be worth $200 million mm-hmm. and then flick it off. So what are the pros of working with a fund, venture fund? Uh, pros of working with a fund, um, you know, they, they bring experience to the table. Um, you know, they can, they can give you, you know, a, a founder um, some guidance and support. Um, and, uh, you know, they've also got fairly deep checkbooks so they can follow their money. They so might they have say, access to a lot of funds. They get access to a lot of and funds. And they're not dealing with their own money, which means they're probably a bit looser with it than the financial yeah. offices. Look, look, they're, 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 look, like a council. <laughs> not quite like a council. But, yeah, so they've got to make a return on that money they're investing because they get paid on that. Um, but, yeah, so there's venture capital. So, but not every founder and every business wants someone sitting over them. And obviously, that, you know, if the business doesn't perform, venture capital firms will often say, well... And I know that also they they can be very difficult to work with. I mean, because obviously I, I know yeah. all the entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, but uh, I do know also that I've heard great stories. I've heard really positive stories. But the, the negative story on the, on the con side, um, I have heard often that they can be very difficult or they do they do ask for... You know, very strong terms on their that's end. Right, that are, that's right. That's right. So they want to be protected. Very on the tricky downside. terms. So yeah, exactly. If the business doesn't perform, then they can end up owning the business. Yeah. And you, as a founder, are out yeah. in the street. And so you have got to be quite careful with. Yeah. The, and that's get why, a good lawyer when you're negotiating. Look, that's right. And that's why some people go, well, I don't want to do venture capital. I might go to a family office or high net worth investors. Um, you know, family office. You know, there's a lot of wealthy families in Australia that have got their own little family offices. Yeah. We're to some extent like a venture capital firm, but it's one person. It's one generally family. generally a family, you know, family, be the, you know, my family or the you know, the, the Fairfax family or there's the Lowy family. You know, there's a lot of family trusts out there like that, our family offices. Um, and, you know, they're out there, but they're, they're pretty. They're generally pretty focused on spaces and sectors that they know. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're so if the family to, was in one industry, they they want to look for companies in that industry. Generally, you know, they focus in that industry. Um, you know, then there's a high net worth investors, you know, people worth a couple of million dollars that are willing to put in 50, 100, 200 grand mm-hmm. into an opportunity. Um, you know, and you know, it, it's a matter of corralling those people, pulling them together. And so we do a bit of that. You know, we'll, we'll often get involved in, in, in sort of early stage funding, you know, go out to our database of sophisticated and professional investors who will be putting in you know, 10, 20, 50, 200 grand into an opportunity. And you've got um, over 50,000 investors on the yep. platform is that correct that's right so, so yeah we've had fifty thousand people sign up to the platform over the last couple of years which is you know, makes it probably one of the you know deepest and and sort of widest platform and from all over australia as well from you know, tasmania up to northern territory and these are all people interested in looking for opportunities to invest yeah that's right that's right so they're, they're sort of saying you know uh, keen to get here what understand what's happening out there and keen to get access and exposure so, to these types of so really if i wanted to raise capital for cub and um, the best way to get exposure to investors I mean, one of the best ways would be to go to on market. And, and how does it work? Like, what do I actually do? I, I sign yeah, sure. up. Or? Yeah. So, look, um, as a, as a company, you know, just approach us. You know, you can either fill in the form online on our website. Um, it's just a few high level details on your business, and we'll follow up to you. Um, or you know, just give us a call. But how does it work? What happens after I call you? Well, you know, we'll, know we'll, you. we'll, we'll sit down with the company. Uh, you know, we, we like to get to know the founders, like to get to know the management, um, you know, understand the business, where it's going, where it's been, and, and sort of what, what, what your aspirations are. Um, obviously, we'll do a bit of due diligence, you know, have a look at the financials, understand what the balance sheet looks like, where, where the growth's coming from, um, and, and really talk about the business plan. But ultimately, in, in, in an early-stage business, um, your you're investing a lot in the people as well. You can have some great ideas and some great plans, but if you don't have the right people executing it, 
then you know, it makes it a lot harder um, for a so, business. So you do, do due, due diligence because obviously it's important that there's good, op- healthy opportunities on your platform, mm. not unlikely ones to succeed because you want your investors to do that's well right. As well. You know, you're only as good as your uh, your track record and yeah. the companies you put up there. So, and yeah, and it's a platform because the company actually goes onto the platform and the investors can then view the company or? Yeah, that's right. So look, if, if an equity crowdfunding offer, we'd prepare what's called an offer document. Mm-hmm. We do our due diligence, which is required under our you know, equity crowdfunding license, license yeah. and uh, prepare an offer video. So, you know, three, five minute video of, this, of the founder um, and their business and what they're doing and you know, the problems that they're solving um, and, uh, and, and help promote it to the our database and also help the company tap into other databases and groups out there that we think are going to be interested. Um, you know, like the, the, the energy company we talked about before, um, yep. you know, tapping into the databases there. With the construction company, we tapped into um, construction databases. You know, people and so what's the business model? Where do you guys, how do you get paid? Look, we get paid um, on preparing the documentation and, and, and what's required and on that side, but also on the money raise. So generally most of our fee comes from the success side. Okay. We don't raise you the money, we generally don't get get. Yep get paid as much so we also want to be backing companies that we think are going to be successful how much money have you raised through the platform yeah look uh, on the platform we've raised north of 110 million dollars oh over the last big couple money of yeah so it's it's look it's over how long uh, last um four years wow so look it's 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 and that's gaining a lot of momentum um yeah. it continues to grow pretty strongly uh and, and across section across ipos crowdfunding raises and, and wholesale yeah that's raises including well. all of them yeah 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 that's yeah. crazy so, um, yeah, so how has COVID affected that? Yeah, look, COVID's been interesting. December, January was a crazy period for IPOs. There was a lot of IPOs going to market, a lot of companies listing. Um, in, in the small and mid-cap world, large-cap world has been a bit of a dry period. Um, but, you know, when COVID hit, pretty much the funding doors clamped shut. You know, the markets effectively capitulated in March and fell 30 40%, and, and they've climbed back very quickly since then. Um, but what's that also, it's also meant that investors have gone, geez, I can make a good return in the equity market. Why would I take risk on an unknown mm. at the moment? Um, you know, there has been on the IPO side companies listing. Um, generally, there've been companies in the, the, the hot spaces at the moment, probably fintech, yeah, payments, um, or anything that's got an angle that plays nicely into the COVID story. You know, med tech, oh, okay. or um, or gold, gold and silver miners, or um, things involved in in, in online payments um, and lending. Yep. Well because everything's gone digital, so everyone wants yeah, that's right. You know, online payments is the thing, right. no? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's been interesting. So, but you know, uh, there, we've, we've, there's been a few IPOs going through the market, and they've been pretty well bid for them and performed pretty well. Um, but nowhere near the volume that we saw this time last year. Okay. Uh, and what about the uh, the non-listed companies yeah, on the non-listed market? side? Yeah, look, that's also been quite difficult. Um, again, you know, investors can make a pretty damn good return. Have been able to make a good return in the in the, in the listed market. You know, you've seen uh, companies like Afterpay go from twelve dollars yeah. to ninety dollars. Yeah. Um, so a lot of attention is going to, towards equities that are currently available. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so and and there's so many that are undervalued. There's so many that will, yeah, well, undervalued yeah. really, or that are growing had random growth due to the change and they're in a good right. position for it. That's right. That's right. And so um, you know, it's uh, but look, I think. We are, we've got a really strong pipeline of interesting companies coming coming through um, that we're really excited about that we've been working with. What are some of the coolest um, companies you're working with or uh, have worked with? As I mentioned, we've uh, worked with, with all sorts of – that energy company we talked about, the building construction company, um, recently a, a crowdfunding raise for um, some companies in the medicinal cannabis space. That's cool. Yeah, so there's been a lot happening there. 
Um, is that happening in Australia yet? In the States, it's massive. Everyone's stoned all the time. Yeah, well, that's recreational. Yeah. So there's different. Oh, there's, medicinal. there's a medicinal side, oh, yeah. which is you've got to get a prescription and be signed off by the government and yep. what have you. And that's growing in Australia really quickly. Um, we haven't seen the recreational market hit Australia yet. No, but I've heard like a lot of people are getting subscribed the oils, the mm. CBD oils yes. by the doctors here. Yes. And a, and they love it. They yeah. reckon it helps them sleep. Oh, look, anecdotally um, and, and sort of, you know, clinically, there's been a huge amount of success from medicinal cannabis for people going through chemotherapy, people with MS, people with um, epilepsy, even kids with, with epilepsy have been wow. seeing huge improvements by using medicinal cannabis. So, and so this company plays in that space? Yeah, look, we've, we've been involved in a lot of medicinal cannabis raisings over the last sort of tw- two years. Mm-hmm. I got to know a lot of the founders and, and the space pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so look, I enjoy dabbling around that side. Yeah, other areas of it, we've seen a lot of activity um, – you know, two, two, three years ago it was baby formula, you know, milk, really? milk powder into China. Oh, okay. You know, like A2 milk yeah. and Bub's so Organic. So there's trends and, in your space that you oh, can yeah. see the trends out. Medicinal, medicinal cannabis was hot sort of eight, 12 months ago yeah. and really sort of fell away late last year. Now it's fintech. Okay, um, that's really know. interesting. So there, there's definitely hot sectors that go through mm. through the market. Um, and you guys have done how many actual raises so for how many companies? Yeah, about over 160. Oh, geez. In the last uh, four years. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so you should probably have a pretty good understanding of what makes a company uh, look good for a capital raise, no? What, what can you do to make yourself more appealing? Look, um, having, having a, a business case and a business plan that makes sense. Yep. If it's too complicated or if you're sort of a – of, a, of, a lot of founders are great at selling their product to clients but not, a great, uh, not great at selling their business to investors. So it's stripping that back to bare bones and working out what what is the problem you're trying to solve, why why do you exist, mm. how are you solving that problem, why are you better than everyone else at doing it, and how are you going to achieve it? Yeah. So and would you have all that in the pitch deck? One hundred percent. And so you've seen some great pitch decks and some crappy ones. Yeah, definitely. You know, key part is yeah. So look, there's all and and that's part of our job on a crowdfunding raise um, or a wholesale raise is helping the company distill that information into. You know, the twenty-page pitch deck that mm-hmm. talks about the problem, the solution, how these guys and how these guys are going to deliver on it. Oh, so you actually help them do that too. You, yes. so even if they come to you with one, you can you can improve on it. You can yeah, you, to help with them improve, help, yeah. help them improve it to, to yeah. get it to the investors. And look, you know, the, 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 whether you do when you whether you're raising money for a multi-billion-dollar company or a, you know multi-million-dollar company, it doesn't really matter. It's the same story. Yeah. It's about the investment highlights. What is it that really sells? And what are the hot points that are going to be of interest to investors? Really cool. So, what yeah. are some of the things that are a big no-no you should not do? If you're trying to raise capital, do not do this. Yeah, no, look, don't, don't bullshit. Mm. You know, it, it, the, the biggest danger on a – obviously, legally you can't bullshit in a presentation or, or, in a, or in an offer document or a prospectus. Um, but, you know, be honest about, about the plans and where you're going to go um, because you can get found out pretty quickly. And maybe if you don't know the answer – don't pretend like you do. Just say, oh, look, I actually don't have that answer. Let me get back to you. Yeah, exactly. Well, the other, other thing as well in an investor meeting is be prepared because, again, if someone asks you a question and you sort of go blank and you don't know the answer, it's not, you know, it's not a great look as well for, a, for an investor that's looking to put in you know, money into a company. So, um, yeah, so like I, I think be, being prepared, um, you know, having, having your story lined up and, be, and, and going into a pitch, you know, knowing what it is that you're, uh, what you're trying to achieve. So – 
let's say I'm again back to cab. I want yep. to raise capital. What are the things like? What are the first things I have to do to actually prepare to raise ca- for capital? Because one of the key lessons which I told you when we were chatting before we went live was that I got taught to even if you're not looking to sell or raise, always be ready to. So what are those things that you should always have in place? Yeah, look, that's right. I think you know every every growing business could always do it with money. So always be ready to raise those funds. Um, have having your story straight. You know, having your your investment case investment thesis. As I said. The, um, Is that your IM or yeah? Look, it's an IM. It's a presentation. It's a pitch deck. Know what you think you're worth. Have a have a have a good view on valuation. Now, always the biggest, the most interesting part on 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 raising fronts of business is that the founder always think the business is worth is worth X. The investors think it's worth half X, um, or so. Well, the founders think it's worth two X, and you sort of end up somewhere in the middle. Um, and there's always a bit of argy bargy there. Every founder thinks their business is worth you know. Multiples of what, what the investor thinks. Well, what is the so. average multiple now, though? Because multiples are ridiculous. How can you tell what the multiple is supposed to be? Yeah. Now, how do you figure a multiple in your business? So it's a multiple of your profit. Is that correct? Well, yeah. Look, that's the old school way of looking at it. You know, well, a, company trade, a company will a bank, NAB or CBA or BHP. Um, the old school companies would generally trade on a PE, a price earnings multiple, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about. But now you've got businesses out there. Um, you know, the first one of the first big ones that did this was probably um, Amazon in the US. You know, they were worth you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, and they weren't even profitable. Now you can't price a business of an earning doesn't exist. You know, Afterpay at the moment they they're worth twenty billion dollars or so. Is that how much? And they're still wow. not, they're still not profitable. So how do you so, so how do you figure them? So I suppose the other way of valuing a lot of these businesses is through discounted cash flow. So you look at the managed cash flow the business is going to generate in the future, you effectively discount that back at a discount rate and make a valuation based on that. So you're actually valuing the future cash flows of the business to come up with a valuation. And so you use the current earnings to forecast the projection and then work your way back. That's right. That's right. And, so, and that's, 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 that's why you know, a lot of equity analysts and investment bankers will value a business. You know, you'll use a few methods. You use your price earnings multiple, an earnings uh, EBITDA multiple. Yep. Um, Revenue multiple uh, and a DCF, discounted cash flow valuation. And so, so when when a founder wants to try value their business, do they do all of them? Do they do some of them? How, how do they look at it? Well, you know, it's hard for a company to value on a price earnings multiple if they're not profitable. Yeah. So a lot a lot of early stage businesses at the moment, you know, in the lending space or in the funds management space. Will, if you are profitable, sorry. Yeah, Let's so, say you are profitable. Would you do it on the um, – a multiple per profit. Yes. Yeah. If generally, if you're profitable, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're a steady state large business or growing business that's profitable, you'd, you'd price yourself on a price earnings multiple. Yep. A percentage. Of, of, and of, how do you work out the multiple though? How do you know it's five times, ten times, or twenty times? Yeah. Like you, you look at comps. You look at comparable businesses. Okay. So you look at your industry yeah. businesses yeah. that raise in yeah. your space. Exactly. So you you look at comps, um, and you you know you do your DCF as well based on what your growth prospects are. So you could justify that you might say, look, that company over there is trading at 10 times earnings, but I think I should be worth 15 times earnings because I'm growing faster. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and I'm... And we have a bigger market share or... Yeah, I've got a bigger market share or, you know, um, I've, I've got this other business line that I think is going to do really well. So, um, yeah, look, valuation, it's, it's a dark art. And as long as you can justify your valuation, I guess that's the key. Okay, well, this is my valuation. Yes. This is how I got there. Yep. And this is why I believe we are valued at more than these people because of these 
ABC reason. Yeah, 100%. Again, and, and, and that goes to one of the th- key things you need to have ready when you are going to raise funds. Know what you're worth and be able to justify it. Mm. You know, a lot of early stage businesses say, look, you know, I think I'm worth 10 million bucks because I've put 5 million bucks worth of, of capital into it and I think I deserve a two times multiple than what I've spent. Fair enough. enough. Okay. You know, that's so you can even go that simple. Yeah. You know, it might be pre-revenue but, you know, they're on the edge of generating revenue and if once they do hit the, ru- hit the road then, you know, they, they might generate large, you know, significant amount of revenue which would easily justify that valuation. Cool, yeah. So, I think it's important to highlight that because obviously most of the members are running profitable companies and a lot of them are having raised growth funds and, and yeah, do their IPOs but uh, it's good to focus on that group because I guess that's what the – the two the members are, the two the government. <laughs> and so they can compare like – but then, okay, but what about like Cub? Yes. Who the hell do we compare to? Yeah, look, you know, I then suppose – They go rogue. Yeah. I could be like 50 times multiple. Yeah, look, it, 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 you guys would be probably valued on, on a percentage of multiple revenue mm-hmm. or profit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might say, look, over the next three years or next five years we think we can grow X, Y, Z. If we get to a situation where we've got 5,000 members generating – no, X thousand dollars per member. I'll tell you what, I'll be stashed if we have five. <laughs> when we have five thousand members, well, that's what you need to target for. Yeah. Um, and then you, you can you can you base it on 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 evaluation on that on that growth potential. Amazing. Um, so you know, because you know, no investor wants to invest in a business that's going to go steady state. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you, you want to in growth. And how about the social proof of having a board or an advisory board behind the business for investors? Do you think that makes a big difference? Yeah, look, I, th- I think it does. I think it helps um, give it a business some credibility because you might have a young founder who's, you know, late 20s, early 30s, you know, really smart, energetic, great great operator. But, you know, often you want to have uh, a board to give you a bit of advice, a bit of guidance, mm. a bit of grey hair, a bit of, in- you know, yeah. a bit of credibility as well. It's like, okay, this guy's good but he's also got some people to keep him in line and, yeah. and, and make sure he's going in the right direction too. Yeah. He looks a bit rogue, so we're going to put some adults <laughs> there and make sure he keeps in line. Yeah, no, so, exactly. So, look, I think having having an advisor, well, you don't, they don't necessarily need to be on the board, actual directors of a business. You can be advisors. Just having, you know, having a, a group of mentors and advisors that are happy to sort of you know, put their hand up and say, look, I'm, I'm helping uh, you know, Daniel out with his business and go from there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. If you're going to raise some capital, have some – get some – Social proof, get that knowledge, get that board, that yeah, advisor. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and why would someone when, – when, when is it time to, to list, to do an IPO and why do you do it as opposed to staying private and raising, raising capital if you, if you needed? Yeah, look, that's a good question. What we've seen in Australia is, and as, as I mentioned before, you know, Australia, the ASX is a market where it's a lot easier than pretty much anywhere else in the world for a company to raise five to, five to $20 million in the listed market. You can often you – know, a lot of companies are listing on ASX that are pre-profit and some even pre-revenue. Um, and that was sort of part of the reason why we wanted to get involved in the equity crowdfunding space, to help these companies stay private for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Why is that good? Well, because when, when you're in the listed market, you're exposed to um, – you've got to be continuously disclosing company. If anything goes yeah, badly – It's like being naked. You've got, you've got to announce it to the market. Yep. If anything goes well – and and there's been you – know, over the last couple of years, there's been some – pretty disastrous situations where companies have constantly t- talked about good things coming to them but have not talked about the bad things or the contracts they've lost. Um, is know, that illegal? Or that's illegal. Okay. That's illegal. So if you're a, if you're a listed company, you've, you've really got to – you've got to report your finances yeah. every six months. You've mm-hmm. got to announce a lot of information to the market that you might necessarily want to put out there but you have to. Um, so as an early stage business, it's still sort of growing 
uh, and you still having some ups and downs, it's probably better to stay private for a bit longer. Mm. Yeah, get, um, get a bit more stable, get a bit more, get, get a bit of grip on the wheel. Yeah, that's wheel. right. But obviously, you know, some companies say, look, I get that risk, but I, I want this capital and I've got some investors out there that want to do it and they're only going to invest in me if, I, if I'm listed in a, li- in a liquid company. How much do you um, think the CEO of a listed company affects the perception of the company? And you know, like Kerry Packer, like everyone wanted him to be the head of nine. You know, yeah. It was nine, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, or like, you know, you've got Elon Musk, you've got all these characters and, 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 you know, these companies attract funds because of the character. Is it maybe something other CEOs should be looking at or maybe I should be, I should have a bit of a character myself? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, people are investing in the leader of the business. You know, the, the buck stops there to some extent. Um, so, yeah, look, I think uh, ha- having, a, having a, a, a CEO that can instill confidence and knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing is, is pretty key. I think it makes a big difference because yeah. if, you, if, you, if you think that person is a smart but even, even for like uh, raising capital, mm. not least whatever, just raising capital, like especially in the small to medium-sized market, you're really looking at the person. You're saying, is this entrepreneur, do I back that entrepreneur? Because yeah, 100%. like your, your business started and, and pivoted and became something mine, mine definitely did. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's didn't. Mm. So really you're, you're, and even will continue doing so. So really a lot of it comes down to that person. And exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're backing that founder. You're backing the person. You know, does a business model make sense? Tick. Yeah. You know, is there a market? Is there an opportunity? Is there something that they can actually grow into? But secondly, and just equally important, is the founder the right person to do it? Yeah. And because you, know, you are backing that person, it definitely equally is important. Because if they take it down the wrong track or down a rabbit hole, then go on. Yeah. And are you a bit of a avid reader? Do you read much? Or yeah, look, I like to read a bit. Um, when you hit us up with some book recommendations, <laughs> that's a good one. Look, I, I, I do love a um, you know, some of the financial sort of uh, books out there. You know, finance gone wrong. Um, yeah. You know, a bit like Barbarians at the Gate, you know, basically that was KKR taking over RJR and Nabisco back in the 80s in yeah. the US. Um, great story about um, you know, private equity just going crazy. <laughs> That's um, Barbarians at the Gate. Yeah, it? Barbarians yeah. at the Gate. That's um, my cousin's favourite book. Is it? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but he's, a, he's an investment banker. So yeah, exactly. Every, <laughs> look, there, there, there's, there's some, you know, as a junior investment banker, there's a number of books you just got to read. You, that, that, that's one yeah, of them. Yeah, it? that's one yeah. of them. Goodness. Um, and what's you know, finance gone wrong? I suppose, you know, looking at like the big short. You know, that was about the GFC mm-hmm. and, you know, how, how people made a huge amount of money going short of property securities yep. in the US. Selling against them. Yeah, selling against them. So a big short or, um, you know, flash boys, which <laughs> is basically guys doing high-frequency trading um, on the US markets, you know, building their own fiber optic network between Chicago and New York so they could have a split second uh, difference in timing. Time, so they can make, so a, trade they before, make a trade before, before the other else gets in there wow. and arbitrage it. You know, it's just crazy stuff like that. And that, that's always a bit of fun. Yeah, that's um, good So, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of good books out there. Like Michael Lewis, he's written a lot of those books. He's, 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 so maybe I should look up Michael Lewis because I don't have that many finance books in my library, Michael. Yeah. And what about um, uh, your greatest lessons in, in business that you, you've made? Obviously you've had an incredible career and still are having a great career. What are some of the greatest lessons? I think as 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 you know, a founder and being involved in early stage businesses, you know, a great learning is you know if you if you if you if you keen to give it a go to start up an early stage business, be a founder, start something new and different. You know you've you've got to commit to it. You can't do it half hearted. Mm. You know, there's and there's a lot of people out there that have started businesses and bounced along the runway for for a number of years, 
until they finally hit that right point and the inflection off they go. Yeah. Um, but yes. you know, it's um, you know, don't give up. Yeah, I think is is key. Hundred percent. I remember back in the day, like the first two years of cab, like I was always working on like a second business on the side. Like I wasn't doing it, but I had the idea for it in my head. Oh, I was like, oh, if cab doesn't work, for you, I'll do that. And eventually, I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I need to be a hundred. I need to be. This needs to work. Like, it's not a. There can't be any other option. I got. I got to scratch those. I got to scratch that idea. I've got to be a hundred percent. I fully agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think. Um, I, Basically, uh, relationships are key as well. You know, building those relationships, building that network, uh, you know, whatever you want to do and where you want to be, just you know, the more people you know, the more people you talk to, the more references you get, more referrals you get, and that, that all leads to you know, success down the track. Well, you know yeah. I agree with that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and why sure did you, on that note, why did you join, Cub? You just renewed, didn't you? We did just renew. And what, so why did you join in the first place? What was the interest? Look, it was intriguing. Um, you know, just a whole group of uh, – entrepreneurs coming together, catching up, talking about war stories, yeah. learning from each other. I love that. It was an interesting concept. You know, obviously you, you had some good salesmen. Um, yeah. We Calvin the and the boys, you know, <laughs> not, not giving up. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it, it, was, it was something that intrigued us. And I thought we figured that you know, there's a lot of early stage founders and entrepreneurs out there and successful guys as well. It might be a good way for us to network and help us grow our business too. Love so that. it was, um, you know, I suppose, a dual reason and also being able to learn a lot. And so and that's, uh, that's, that's the theory behind it. Mate, this has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, it's something that, uh, like I mentioned, I, I didn't, I don't know, and I didn't know too much about. I definitely know more now. I do want to highlight to the entire community: if you, uh, obviously, if you want access to funds, give get in contact with Nick. Um, uh, the website, I can go through the website, can't they? It's yep. just onmarket.com.au. That's right. Um, uh, reach out to the guys. You're Cub members, so they're obviously going to look after you. If you're not a Cub member, they still will because you're an absolute legend for listening to this show. Um, mate, thank you so much. Did you enjoy it? A lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you very nah, much. Hopefully okay. I didn't confuse people too much. But, nah, um, no, you confused me, but the members <laughs> as well. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank yeah, you, everyone. Thank you, I hope you enjoyed the show.